Hello and welcome to the Hallelujah Podcast. I'm your host Grace and I am beyond excited to have you here today. At Hallelujah, our mission is to provide a space where you can grow in your faith, be encouraged and gain an understanding of God's word. Well, well, well. Hello, friends. First episode for 2023. How exciting. Before we get into it today, if you're enjoying the podcast and are keen to continue coming along this journey with me, I've got two things for you to do. Number one is go over to Instagram and follow me at, at Hallelujah Podcast so you know when a new episode is out and can keep up to date with other content and blog posts. And number two is to follow the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen so that you'll be notified when I've got a new episode out. And please do leave a review if you're loving it. It really helps to grow the podcast and get it out to other people. And if you ever listen to an episode that you think a family member or friend would love, make sure you send it on over to them. So without further ado, in our episode today, What It Means to Live a Holy Life, we're going to be chatting about holiness, what the Bible says about it, characteristics of a holy life, and how to live a holy life when the world around us is unholy. Holy is a word that is thrown around a lot in church circles, but I can't say I hear it very often in the world, other than when people are swearing. So there are many words that describe God like good, merciful, gracious, and all of these are pretty well known and they can be applied to many things. But holy seems to be a word that we hear much less. I personally think this is because of the weight of the word. It is so powerful. And in the book of Isaiah, we see that in the throne room of glory, the angels fly around God's throne and cry out, holy, holy, holy. I long for the day where we too will be crying this out to God. But first, what does the Bible say about holiness? In 1 Peter 1.16, it says, be holy because I am holy. Holiness is one of the core attributes of God. He uses holy to describe himself when he says, I am holy. And it's something he tells us to be when he says, be holy. So if we know that God is holy and it's something that he wants us to be, what is it and how do we do it? A good place for us to start this episode is a definition of the word holy. The Hebrew word used for holy is kadosh, which means separate or set apart. This was one of the first Instagram posts I did for Hallelujah, and it just hits different. Holy is such a powerful word. To be separate or set apart in this world is a big calling. And holy is often used to describe that otherness of God, where he has incredible characteristics of mercy and grace and goodness and faithfulness. It's the addition of holiness that sets God so far apart from any person or anything on this earth or in the heavens. One incredible story of God's holiness from the Bible is in the place of the temple, which was made to house the holiness of God. In the holy temple in Jerusalem was an area called the Holy of Holies, and this was separated from the rest of the space by a thick veil or curtain, which we read about in Hebrews 9. While the Bible doesn't confirm it, I was reading up on this and historians believe the veil to be about four inches thick and around 60 feet high. So huge, a huge part of this temple. And part of this area was the mercy seat, which is where the spirit of God would settle when it entered the temple once a year. What's incredible about this story is that because of the utterly pure and holy presence of God, the only person who could enter this place on the day that the spirit came was the high priest. 
before he could enter, he needed to go through a process of personal sanctification and purification, and he would enter this place to make atonement for the sins of the people. If the priest hadn't truly repented of his sins, he would actually die because of the sheer weight of that sin and the holiness of God. And when he went in, they would actually tie a rope around his foot to remove his body if required. And this was all before the death and resurrection of Jesus, which makes it all the more beautiful and powerful when we see that when Jesus died, the veil was torn in two from top to bottom. The tearing of that veil signified that Jesus' death was a sufficient atonement for sins and that the way into the Holy of Holies was for all people. We can have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. And that's so powerful, and I just felt that it was such an important story to give some context for the holiness of God. The Bible also says that without holiness, we will not be able to see God. It's one of the unchanging demands from God that we are all holy. We need to maintain holiness of life and of our hearts if we are going to see God and remain in eternal fellowship with him. God's holy nature demands holiness from those who worship him and requires us to be purified. Leviticus chapter 20 verse 7 says, Sanctify yourselves therefore and be ye holy, for I am the Lord your God. And in the New Testament we see this again in 1 Peter 1.16 which reads, Be ye holy, for I am holy. God calls us out of a life of darkness and evil so that we might live a righteous, pure and sanctified life. God can make us holy if we commit our lives to him. So how do we get sanctified? Like I said earlier, we must consecrate ourselves unto the Lord. God commands us to be separate or set apart from those who aren't in the faith in all areas of our lives. So this includes school, work, university, your marriage, relationships, friendships, every aspect of our lives. And even though we live in the world, we can't be of the world. And the Bible is so clear about this again and again through scripture. God commands us to abstain from worldly practices and the things that decrease holiness in our lives. Instead of seeking our own pleasures, we need to lay everything on the altar before God. 2 Corinthians 7.1 says, Having therefore these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So a few things that I pick up here, and the first is the phrase, these promises. This speaks of God's promises to those who are in Christ that we can spend eternity with him. God's promises do not depend on our ability to obey or do good works, but they are in Christ alone. The second phrase is that we are to cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit. So in response to God's promises that we just went through, we need to remove anything from our lives that is opposed to God in any way. When Paul wrote this letter to the Corinthians, idolatry was normalized in their culture. So for them, they need to remove any worship of idols or false gods in their lives. And for us, we need to take a really good look and consider what this may be. It could be idolatry for us too, or it could be drunkenness, gluttony, sexual sin, any sort of sin that defiles the flesh and spirit. And the third phrase is in the fear of God. The fear that Paul is talking about here is a respect and awe for God's incredible power and righteousness. While God does have attributes of love, and he is love, yes, we must also remember that the fact that Christ will return and he will judge the works of every believer one day, 
not to determine our destiny, but to give what is due for how we lived our lives as Christians. Paul writes this in love to the church of Corinth, calling them beloved, and urges them to live a sanctified and pure life for Christ, and the same applies to us. The standard for us is so high, and we really should see it as an honor. God is utterly perfect and holy, and the more that we realize this, the more aware we often become of how impure we are at our core. And God's holiness should have this effect on us as we draw close to him and understand more of his nature. And this isn't to condemn us or make us feel terrible about how awful we are. The beauty of the gospel is that we are all sinners and fall short, but through Christ we can be made right with God. But this speaks more to the process of sanctification that we go through where we become more and more like Christ and put to death our old selves. Through sanctification, we become more holy, more separate and set apart from this world, and this is what we should be looking towards for our short time on this earth. So we've established that we should live a holy life, but what are some of the characteristics of a holy life? Being holy makes us as believers set apart from the eagles of this world and puts us in a position of being useful for his kingdom. So I know this seems blatantly obvious, but one characteristic of a holy life is that we are set apart from the world. God's not requiring us to be perfect, but he does want us to choose to be set apart and uniquely different from our surroundings. A good question to truly ask yourself is whether you are of this world or not. Are you caught up in the things of this temporary life or are you focused on the eternal? I really believe that a big part of being holy is about making the choice to pursue holiness. If you aren't choosing that daily, consider why that might be. Striving to be like Jesus is a big characteristic of living a holy life. Another characteristic is the fruit of your life. As we become more and more like Jesus and go through the process of sanctification, the fruit will naturally follow. Galatians 5:22 to 23 speaks about the fruit of the spirit being love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. How are you going with these in your life? In a world that glorifies getting ahead and satisfying your fleshly desires however you want, whenever you want, with whoever you want, if you're exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit, there's a pretty good chance that you're set apart and different from the world. In Psalm 15 uh, verse 1, David says, Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? And then we see the answer in verse 2, which says, the one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart. So we see here a few more characteristics of a holy life. One whose walk is blameless, one who does what is righteous, and one who speaks the truth from their heart. I'd encourage you to go and read Psalm 15 for more of a description on what a blameless life is. It's got a lot of really good characteristics and it's a really good guide. So definitely encourage you to go and look at that after. Another characteristic that I believe to be really important for living a holy life is humility. Many of the godly men throughout the Bible show their humility in the way they speak. Paul says he is the chief of sinners in 1 Timothy 1.15. Jacob says he is unworthy of God's mercy in Genesis 32.10. Job says he is vile in Job 44, and this is only the beginning. A holy person will follow after humility, and
and he will see his own shortcomings before he looks to see the shortcomings of others. The Bible frequently reiterates that the first will be last and the last will be first. So I think humility is a really big characteristic of living a holy life too. Considering we have spoken about a few of the characteristics of a holy life, what about an unholy life? What does an unholy life look like? For this, I'd like to direct our attention to Romans 1, 21 to 32, which is about God's wrath against a sinful humanity. We can see many of the sinful and unholy attributes of people here. Just prior to this passage, Paul speaks of the wrath of God being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of the people who have rejected God. Humans are without excuse because God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been made clear. We'll start with verse 21. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. So here we see that some characteristics are not glorifying God or giving thanks, futile thoughts and foolish hearts that have been darkened. Verse 24, Therefore God gave them over in their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. Another characteristic we see here is sexual impurity, which God gave them over to, and idolatry, worshipping and serving images instead of God. Verse 26, Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relationships with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves a due penalty for their error. Again, to continue on from the sexual impurity that we just talked about, we see here that the women were being sexually immoral with women and the men with men. Verse 28 is, Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, So God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these things, but also approve of those who practice them. So finally here, a few more characteristics we pick up include wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. Ungodly and unholy people are envious, murdering, deceitful, and malicious. They gossip, slander, hate God. They're arrogant and boastful and are always finding ways to do evil. They disobey their parents, have no love or mercy, and even though they know that their ways are sinful, they continue in their ways and approve of others who are doing the same. So even in this passage, we see a lot of characteristics of people who are living unholy lives, and what a stark difference to those who are living a holy life. For all of us, we constantly need to check ourselves to ensure that we are not living a life consisting of unholy ways. 
As we said earlier, without holiness, we won't see God. And it reminds me of the passage in 1 Corinthians 6, uh, 9-10, which says, Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. It's reiterated so many times throughout the Bible, so it's imperative that we are not falling short in these areas. And there's forgiveness for when we do fall short, but it requires repentance and a true turning of our ways. Even though people can have areas of sin in their lives that take longer to work through, I don't believe that with true repentance, godly counsel, getting in the word, prayer, and seeking the Lord, that years and years down the track, we should still be struggling with the same thing that you might be now. So I'd encourage you to take a real stock of your life right now and the characteristics that are coming out, as as I will too, and determine what areas, if any, are unholy. And if you do identify areas, take this to the Lord in prayer and work out how you are going to cut it out of your life. Surround yourself with Christians who will help you and encourage you on this journey and get serious about it. A little pleasure on this earth isn't worth spending eternity in a dark place separated from God. So how do we live a holy life when the world around us is unholy? And to this I would say, seek Jesus, seek God, seek first the kingdom and all these things shall be added to you. Even though it's not always easy to live a holy life, I do believe it's simple. Pray, get into the word, go to church, surround yourself with people who will call you out on your sin. We serve an incredible God who equips us with what we need to pursue him. And like I said earlier, make the choice to be holy. Make the choice to be set apart. Choose to live a holy life. Choose to not get caught up in the things of this world. The Bible always talks about denying our flesh to follow Jesus, and it's a choice that we need to wake up and make every day. And even though you might look like a lunatic to the people around you, keep your eyes on the kingdom and our eternal home. And the benefits of living a holy life? Well, they far outweigh any perceived positives of living an ungodly life in the world. I believe the greatest benefit of a holy life is the effect that it will have on our relationship with God. We can have a deeper intimacy with him and it ushers in his presence. Like we said before, without holiness we will not see God. It naturally separates us from God, so of course we want to live a life that glorifies him and draws us closer to him. And have hope because sanctification is a process. Don't expect to be living a perfect life completely free from sin after only a few months of being a Christian, or even after a few years, but move forward with the desire to be holy. Let this be your heart's desire and prayer. I really do believe that true holiness is something that can be attainable and seen by everyone around us. When you see and meet someone who is holy, consecrated to the Lord and set apart from this world, It's a light in the dark and what an incredible thing for us to work towards. Remember that Jesus is the root and the beginning of all holiness and that the only way to be holy is to come to Jesus through faith and to be joined to him and always keep your eyes on Jesus.
And that certainly encouraged but also challenged me. As we wrap up this episode, it's a big topic, but it's one that I think is so important and maybe isn't spoken about enough. I really enjoyed diving into this topic more and I personally learned so much as I researched and read the word and uncovered more about holiness. I love diving into some of those really key attributes of God. I think this is something that for me personally really helps me to understand God's character and seek him out and helps me to deepen my relationship with him when I know him more. I guess that's the same with any relationship with someone, right? Whether it's a boyfriend or girlfriend or husband or wife, family or friends, the more we know about them and their personality, the more we come to love them and have a deeper relationship. But let me pray for us as we wrap up this episode. Father God, we thank you so much that you are holy. Thank you for the incredible revelation of your holiness that we can see throughout your word. We are in awe of this and we desire to be holy, God, just as you are. Help us to put aside our old selves and to be set apart from the things of this world. I thank you, God, for every person listening to this right now. And I pray that you would meet them again where they're at right now in life. Help us to all see the areas in our lives where we are falling short and give us the strength and courage to turn from these areas and to keep our eyes on you. Show me the areas of my life where I'm not living a holy life and the same for anyone else who wants to pray that prayer too. Above all else, we thank you, God, for the incredible sacrifice of Jesus on the cross for our sins. We feel the power of that veil being torn in two and we thank you for that, God. We love you and we praise you always and we pray that in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to our ninth Hallelujah podcast episode, What It Means to Live a Holy Life. My hope and prayer is that I will always be able to point you to Jesus and that you will leave feeling encouraged, equipped, inspired, and ready to go out and be salt and light in this world. Don't forget to follow and leave us a five-star review if you like our content so that we can get the good news out and reach more people. I'll leave all the links to my website and other resources in the description as usual. And make sure you jump over to Instagram at Hallelujah Podcast and follow us there to keep up to date with our post new episodes and other news. Thanks for tuning into the Hallelujah Podcast and I will see you next time. Bye.